0: So glad you all could uh, be with us this morning as we uh, jump in uh, to our defining moments. And um, I, I love those. You could tell most of those dates or those experiences were probably like first-time encounters. Now, how many of you have had a horrible first-time encounter date? How many, how many of you got? Oh, yeah. See, wouldn't that be fun if we just all shared each other's stories? <laughs> Man, we could just go. Laughter's the best medicine. I'm sure we'd be doing really good by the time we walked out of here. I, I had—I'll a, a, share. I have a few, but uh, Susie said only share one. You don't, you know. Uh, I don't have time for all of them, unfortunately. <laughs> but one—one uh, one of them for me was a buddy of mine was actually flying through Detroit uh, to go to Upper State, Michigan, uh, Traverse City area to uh, propose to his uh, girlfriend. And uh, he was one of my best friends. So he said, "Hey, I got this layover." in the airport. So why don't you just come in and we'll, uh, you know, just hang out for a little bit. You get to meet her. And I'm like, that's great. Well, I had this, this girl that I had my eye on. And so I thought, well, I'm going to ask her see if she'll just go with me. And I had this great idea. Uh, I, I made my buddy a meal. I, I cooked this whole gourmet type deal and put it all together. They had this, we have this restaurant nearby that has the best bread in the world. And I grabbed a big loaf of that. And, uh, and I asked this girl if she'd be willing to, Hey, what, would you want to go down to the airport with me and see my buddy? And, and we'll hang out, and then afterwards we can do you know, just whatever. And she's like, yeah. So she goes with me. And, uh, and it was, this was like way before 9-11, right? So, so we get in there, and I'm able to walk into the airport with a cooler. I've got a cooler, and I'm lugging it through the airport. And she's, uh, she's got this huge big, uh, huge, big backpack with a loaf of bread sticking out of it, you know. And we're walking through the airport, trudging through, all hot and sweaty. And we get there, and there's like 15 other people there. And, and so I show up with this big meal, and he's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. We just all had Burger King. And so so I'm sitting there, so I just set it down, you know, and we sit out. <laughs> we totally don't eat any of the meal whatsoever and just hang out because I thought it was just going to be us. His whole family was there, everybody. So we hang out for about an hour, an hour and a half, and then uh, we hop back in our car, and we're driving through. And by this time, it's like 930 at night. And I'm starving, and she's starving, and we're driving through Detroit. Now, anybody drive through Detroit. <laughs> Yeah, that's you don't do that. <laughs> or at least you don't stop. And so we're trying to find a park where we can just get out and find this we we find one that looks a little bit safe. Again, it's about ten o'clock at night by this time. And we get out and we carry it and we get to this picnic table and it's that, you know, that totally uncomfortable first date time where you're asking all these awkward questions and getting answers back and all that kind of stuff, and we're just we're getting to know each other, but the meal's good and it's going pretty well. And then all of a sudden, out of Nowhere, this gust of wind came, and I'm, and I'm talking a gust of wind came, and it blew everything right off our table onto her. Her flight, everything went flying, her drink, the food, just the cooler actually blew off the table. This is what kind of gust of wind that was. And I'm just looking at her and she, this poor girl, she's just got stuff all over her. And uh, I don't know if that was a prophetic moment or not, but, um, but that was, uh, that was one of my first dates. You guys, uh, what I want to share with you today is, um, I was sitting there, we've been thinking about this series and giving each of us a chance as we just spent a month. And really, the, so much of the scriptures are what you could call defining moments in people's lives. Moments when God showed up and everything was different from that point on. So I was, I was thinking about them, and really, I, was, I actually did this back in Detroit a little while ago, and I was going to share my time in California, which was just a really uh, dark, hard time, and uh, just of really needing to trust God. But I was looking at what everybody else was going to share, and I thought, you know, I, I want to do something different. And the only, the the other thing that just popped in my head as one of the most defining moments in my life is when God brought me together uh, with this woman over here, Susie, my wife. And uh, so I want to, what I want to share with you are just a few really key things that that God did. Now, uh, how many of you in here today are single? Go ahead and just raise your hand. Okay, everybody, go ahead and look around, see if who, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm I'm sorry. No, seriously. But I I I really want to share this message. Part of this message, there's just a couple key things that God did in my life. I was 33 years old before I even met Sue's. So I did the single life for a while, and and. Um, and then also, now how many of you are married? Go ahead and raise your hand if you're married. All right, we've got about 50-50 here. That's cool. Um, this is the last thing that Susan and I are actually going to share together are just some, uh, I would say, a key principle um, that we've been hanging on to that God hit us with before we got married and that we've been clinging to for the last 11 years. And so, so that's where we're going to go today. Is God involved, for all of you who are not married today, Is God actually involved in your life? And does he care? And I want to tell you, I believe with all of my heart. Desperately he cares. Uh, You know, if you're going to unite your heart with another human being and actually become one with them, I don't think that's an issue where God just sits up there and goes, hey, good luck on picking the right one. You know? Um, I think he actually really wants to be engaged. And then for all of us who are married, who he has knit together, What God has joined together. If you're sitting next to your spouse today, then this principle that Susan and I want to share with you today, I think is critical for all of us who are married to live out the life that we are and have been called to in this person. So I want to pray. And I I think this, obviously, this hits anybody, no matter where we're at in our life. But let's pray and just see if God might reveal something true and deep for each of us today, okay? Father, I, just, I want to thank you uh, for the scriptures to us, which are so full of stories. And through those stories, we see that you are intimately involved um, in our lives and involved in the celebrations and the victories, involved in the tragedies and the hardship and the suffering. But uh, in this world, we have both and you're in it with us. And I just want to pray, maybe more than anything, if, if all of us could walk out of here today with a deep sense that you're with me, that you're, you're desiring God, the living, loving, most powerful God is desiring to be involved intimately in our lives. So Lord, I, I pray that you just speak to us and I pray that you'd speak to each person as we walk through this together and uh, that we will have truly engaged with you. And know more about you by the time we're done. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, it was pretty interesting. I, um, the other thing I just want to say is I'm going to share, we're going to share our story. Now, if you guys hang out here, one of the things we value so much here at K2 is all of your stories. And they're all different. So one thing, is as you're, as you're listening to our story, uh, some of that, obviously, that's not your story. And it's not supposed to be your story. This is supposed to be our story. So, but I want to share it with you, just like the scriptures share their stories. But also, but I do want to say, um, and all of your relationships are going to be completely different than ours because we're all wired so differently. But there's some principles that I'd like to to dive into. So let me jump in. First one was this Um, I actually met Suze when I was in California. So I was in the deepest, um, I would say, the the loneliest, darkest, most confusing. desperate time for me with God. It was just a really, really uh, rough time with, with God at that moment. And uh, part of the issue was, that it was, I'll just totally honest with you, was the fact that I was 33 and I wasn't married. I, uh, I'm one of those guys, I had a girlfriend like, since kindergarten. I don't know anybody else. You know, first grade, second grade, third grade. You know, I'm like, my brothers all thought, dude, you're going to get married like when you're, you know, six. I don't know. It just, uh, so then I, I hit my 20s and my 20s were awesome. I mean, they were awesome. I had so much fun, and we lived life to the hilt, and it was great. And then the year I turned 30, my three closest friends and my younger brother all got married. And I remember that year, that's the year I went, hey, what about me? (laughs) You know, uh, what's the plan here for me? In my 20s, I totally trusted God. I really did. And if you're single today, and I don't know where you're at, and your trust level with God about your relationships, but I was totally cool. I just knew God was going to do what he wanted to do. And but after I turned 30, and nothing was really happening, um, I started to doubt whether he really was good, and I started to doubt whether he actually really cared about me. <clears throat> you See, when you start to doubt those things about God, if He really does love you, or if he cares about you, then you will start to care for yourself. Can I just let me, this is a very important principle for all of us. As soon as you don't think God cares about you, you will start taking care of yourself. And when you start to do that, then you start to manipulate things. You start to engage in things. You start to move in your life. And this is across the board. And I started to do that in my relationships, trying to make things happen, trying to pursue things, trying to, you know, because apparently I got to, I got to get involved in this, you know, because God doesn't seem to be. And so, so that's where I was at in this moment. I had a really, really good friend. I got to share this quickly, but I had a really good friend. Her name was Wendy. Wendy. And um, Wendy and I, we would email each other all the time. We would, you know, that's all you could do back then. <laughs> Actually, was email and call. All the other forms didn't exist by then. But, um, but we were great friends. And what I realized is I, I had tons of friends. And I had tons of girls who were my friends. And she called me one day. And uh, one of her mentors talked to her. And, and she said, you know what, Wendy? She goes, um, just kind of observing your life it seems as if you're meeting every need of yours as a woman, except sexually, with all your guy friends. And so if you actually want to get married, she just said, one of the things you might consider is the fact that you're spreading your heart all over the place. And it's actually getting satisfied by all your friendships. And you may never have a need for a husband in a sense, you know. So anyway, long story short, she calls me. And she shares this with me. And she says, you know what, Dave? She goes, I think you're the same way. And we had this really honest conversation because we were like best friends at this time. And, uh, and we looked at our even our own relationship. Wendy and I, we had so much, spiritually, recreationally, all these different things. We just were so having so much fun to, with each other. But there wasn't a sense where we're going to engage and commit to each other. And I just really sensed in my heart that what God was saying to me was, hey, David, um, not only do you need to save your body sexually for your wife, because I was doing that. He was saying to me, you need to save your heart for your wife. Now, I said, I, just, you can just sit, if you're single today, just sit on that one for a second think about that. Susan and I were talking about yesterday, and she just said, really, in a sense, what I felt like, Wendy was saying to me and what I felt like God was saying to me was you can actually love your spouse before you meet them and so long story short we actually made a decision because when we were together it was so intimate that there was something wrong with that because that was what my heart was supposed to experience someday with this woman so what uh, Wendy and I did is we made the commitment said you know what we're not going to hang out together anymore Unless there's a third party. You throw a third person in, it, it all gets, everything changes, right? So we just made that decision. And she challenged me and she said, and I don't, Dave, I, I don't think you should go to the movies with another girl. I don't think you should do it. We cold turkey this whole opposite sex thing for a little bit. And I just want to tell you um, what it did for me. Because I remember laying you know, I'd be thinking, hey, look, I should, no, I can't do that. Mm. Hey, well, well, I could, no, can't do that. And I, this is just for me. OK, this is, this is one of those ones that's not for everybody. But I know for me, when I met her, one of the things that had happened to my heart was I was saving it for my wife. And what I realized, as soon as I wasn't spreading it out all over the place, I was like, "I really want to get married." Because my heart longs for intimacy, my heart longs for relationship. My heart wants this, and I'm, I've made a decision now to hold it until I find the one I'm going to marry. And I'm telling you, when I met her, if my heart had been satisfied, I'm not so sure what it would have happened. Does that, I don't know if that, does that make sense at all anyway? Okay, there's enough nods, we'll go on. Okay, that was the first thing. Um, here was the second one. I was uh, reading my own, uh, reading, uh, and I'll tell you this again. Uh, I got a group of guys from me together right now, and we were just talking about this. I cannot tell you enough to read this thing. Read the word of God, okay? It is alive and it's active. In other words, what that means is God uses these words to penetrate into your very heart and into ver- your very soul. I, I, you know, I, I know anybody who tries to seek after God personally. Now, again, I'm not talking that you read the Bible to try to master it and to try to get it so you can figure out God, What you do is you open up the Bible so that he can actually master you, so that he can actually be your God. So you come with a real humble stance, and I, I, man, even just the last week or two, God has so been speaking directly to me. So I wake up one morning while I'm out in California, and I get to uh, Luke chapter 11. And so I just read on, and, and let me just read for you. It's a story. It's a little story that Jesus shared because his disciples at this time asked him how to pray. They said, man, Jesus, you pray like nothing else. Show us, teach us how to do that. So he teaches them the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he goes on and he shares a story. Verse, uh, wow. Okay. Five? Okay. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and he says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. So, so, again, make sure we capture this. What, what time of day is it? Hello? Okay, okay, cool. All right. It's midnight, okay? So the dude is knocking on the door at midnight. In fact, I was just talking to somebody uh, two days ago. Think about this, you guys. The fact, when these guys lived, there was no electricity. You know, I mean, we, some of you guys, you just work through the night. We, we, we do entertainment through the night. When this guy, when the sun went down... You know, they went down because there was just nothing else to do, okay? So it's been a while here and now it's midnight and everybody's sleeping. He knocks on his door. He goes, man, give me something to eat because a friend of me has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And then the one inside answered, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. So again, culturally at that time, their homes did not exist like ours where everybody had their own bedroom, okay? That just didn't exist. They all slept in the same room together. So the guy's coming at midnight in the first place. They've probably been asleep for anywhere like maybe four hours or so. And the whole family's cuddled up together in this one room and he has the audacity to knock on the door. All right? This is, this is the picture. Everybody in this culture understands, wow, that's, that was a pretty bold thing to do. And then the friend says in verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs, so i've read I, i'd read that story before, and I knew it, but on this day, I feel like what God said to me was, "Hey, David, why did that guy go to that friend at midnight and knock on his door? Anybody think about th- let me give you an illustration. Susan and I, after we were married, we were watching u 42 was that a movie? U-42? Okay, I got two nods. It's a movie. It's about a submarine. Uh, yeah, so it's this whole underwater thing. And we're watching the movie and the movie gets over and I walk into our, ki- our dining room and water is just pouring. I, you know, I, I, perfect you know, movie to be, have this happen. Well, it's like, it's at least midnight or past midnight, I believe, like one in the morning. And so I, and, and anybody who knows me, I know nothing. Okay. Well, I knew enough to go to the main water thing and turn that off, you know. So I, I do it and nothing, nothing happens. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, why do I do? I can't have water flowing through my ceiling. It's one in the morning. Who do you call? And I remember I had a buddy. His name is Dan Ross. And Dan, he is an amazing friend. He's the guy who actually rode with me all the way from Detroit to Southern California nonstop in a U-Haul that was going like 35 miles an hour. He is a good friend. So I I realized, I think, you know what? Dan's the guy that I can call because I believe that even if it's one in the morning, he'll answer the phone. Not only can he help me, because he builds homes, but... He'll let me. You guys guys get the picture? Who are you going to call at one in the morning when water's coming through? Who are you going to knock? What door are you going to knock on? When friends, and the other thing you need to understand about this culture, if somebody shows up to your house, you have to, you just, you feed them. You just, it's a, it's total shame against you And and you're slamming the other person if you don't provide them food. So it's midnight. The guy comes to your house. You have to feed him something. You have nothing. You have to go get it. Who do you go to? And I feel like what God was saying to me was, David, the reason that guy knocked on his door is because he believed that he was the one who would give him the food that he needed. And I felt like he said to me, when are you gonna come knock on my door? Door. When are you going to come to me and actually believe that I'm the one who will supply good things for your life? See, that's what I lost when I was 30. I used to totally trust God. He was the one. And then I stopped knocking on his door because I wasn't getting what I wanted. And I tried to do it myself. You guys, it was such a deep conviction. It was a beautiful moment for me. It was a reminder to me that God is good. And he actually loves me. So that's what Jesus goes on to say here in verse 11. He says, which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead? You know, sometimes, have you ever been singled and been scared to ask God to give you a spouse? You guys... Because you're like, dude, I, I, I'm asking for a fish, and you feel like God's going to give you a snake? <laughs> I just, I remember, seriously, man, I'm like, dude, I, I remember one time I said, man, if only my mom could pick up my wife. Because I knew my mom loved me. You know, I knew she'd give me something good. I don't know about God. I, but uh, <laughs> but which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, in, in other words, you guys, every one of us, we, we're mixed up, our motives are wacky, we're, we're just... He goes, even though you're screwed up, he goes, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I just felt like in that moment, God said, hey, David, you need to start asking me again. I'm the friend that you can come to at midnight. I'm the one who will give you what you need. I'm your father, and I love you. And I released it. That allowed me to surrender again my singleness to God. And then just to go to Him and to trust Him to do what He wanted to do with my life. All right? So, now, I'd like to bring up uh, the answer to that prayer. Uh, Susie, come on up. So, uh, hey, and Susie never gets up here very much. Would you just give her a a warm welcome as she uh, pops up here? have to get that far away from me, okay, <laughs> awesome, so, um, and this is, we could, we could write a book on this, you guys, but we're going to try to just share really quickly um, a couple things that happened for us in the midst of this, and um, I was in Southern KL, Susie was working in Missoula, Montana, and we met in a, at a conference in New Mexico, okay, so uh, I don't know how many conferences both of us have been to, like, lots, lots. and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, whatever, you never think anything's going to happen. And um, that's a whole other story I can't can't get into. But what did happen was um, enough at that conference for me to really feel like I was supposed to pursue her. Because I remember I was driving back with my buddy and he said, man, too bad she lives in Missoula. And I'm like, I know. But again, every time I got together with God in the morning, she would pop in my head. And it was a real strong sense, this inner movement, inner promptings to pursue her. So we actually did. Uh, I went up and spent a week with her in, in, uh, at Thanksgiving to see if there was any reason to even pursue this thing. And after about three days, um, one of the things I always tell people, because um, someone told me, <laughs> my brother actually, that once you know what your non-negotiables are, if you guys are single, do you know what your non-negotiables are? In other words, this needs to be in that person. Um, once you know that those, are the, after three days, I knew that in Susie, all my non-negotiables were there. And it was cool because they weren't even from our conversations. It was from talking to her friends or listening to her mom talk, all that kind of stuff. It was just, it was so cool. So here's my defining moment. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, she had to do something or work or whatever. So I went out and I took a walk in this field <clears throat> and I was just praying to God. And um, very few moments, I've had them, maybe you've had them as well, But when God just meets you and He just, like, you just stop in your tracks because He's totally engaging you. And in that moment, I stood in the middle of this field and I felt like God said to me, Hey, David, this girl is my daughter and I love her. You guys remember going on a date and having the dad answer the door? (laughs) That's exactly what it felt like to me. I felt like I was opening the door. On this week, and God showed up and said, Hey, this is my daughter, and I love her. But the next phrase is what shocked me. And then I felt like He said to me, And I am choosing you to be the one that I get to love her through. Okay, let me say this again This is my daughter, and I love her, and I'm choosing you to be the one that I get to love her through. See, you guys, this perspective changes everything because now it's not about, well, is she smart enough or is she cute or is she this or how does she do this? You know, because when you're, when you're checking somebody out, right? You're checking them out and you got your little <laughs> checklist and you're going, hey, 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 you know, can I actually <laughs> be with this person? When God reveals to you, actually, Nelson, what this is about is love. And it's not about you. It's about her. I literally fell on my face in that field because I felt like God chose me on that day to be this woman's husband.
1: Three days in, by the way, to the yeah. relationship. Dude, I don't mess around.
0: I tell you, dude, we were we after seven weeks, we were engaged too. And I let's just get it over with. Let's go. Um, but you know, but that you, and I just want to share that that principle right there. For, now, let's move to all of us who are married. Okay. Guys, I'll just go and then, I'll, then Susie, Susie can show her part. Do you see your wife as God's daughter? Do you know how precious she is to him? And do you understand that, and this goes both ways, women to your husbands as well. Do you understand that what you're there for is for God to get a chance to bless and minister to and you're the one who gets to do it. See, now, all of a sudden, marriage becomes a really holy thing. And in a sense, a daunting task (laughs) to think that God is choosing you and calling you. And we'll get into this a little bit more later, but that changed everything for me. It changed my whole mindset of what it means to be married. And it changed my whole mindset of what it means to be a husband. That it's not about, is she this for me? It's is God using me for her. So, mm-hmm.
1: so that was his defining moment. I was behind him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she didn't even know I existed at this point.
1: <laughs> um, uh, my, for, for me, what God did through the process of his heart for me and his pursuing me was took me on a really scary journey where each step, uh, I had to be willing to say, okay, to each little step. I had a friend who advised me at the very beginning, you don't need to know if he's the one you're going to marry. That By the time you get there, it'll be an easy ditch to step across. Right now, you just need to respond to each step that he's taken. Uh, My defining moment actually came after we were engaged um, at Valentine's Day we had um committed to give each other a symbolic gift for Valentine's Day and um and and I'll share I think what that is in a minute but um but it ha- I have to explain a little bit about what happened to me 9 years before in order for what happened to me in my life with David to make sense i just um I remember when I was in college and I had all these plans, I had all these dreams, I knew where I wanted to go to school, what I wanted to study, um, what I wanted to do with my life. I had ideas. And um, during my last year at college, God kind of met with me and changed that. And I remember a guy speaking at a conference and saying, "Um, do you have a sense of destiny about your life? and everything in me resonated. Yes. I mean, I had since I was a little girl. You can ask my friend Kim, who's here. I, I just always knew when I grow up, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be worth doing. It's going to be grand. I'm going to, I am going to do something amazing. I just had this sense from a very little girl that there was a calling and a destiny to my life that was grand. So it, senior year of college, when God started speaking to my heart and saying, I didn't call you to write books and read books. I called you to love people. And he took me into full-time ministry. That was a move that had nothing to do with me and my plans and my desires, um, but it had to do with God. And when I, But when I stepped into that and by faith initiated the process of going into full-time ministry, what I discovered was... This is what I always wanted. It fulfilled my deepest desires. It was what I'd been longing for and dreaming of all my life, and I didn't know it. Nine years later, David walks into my life, and people who know me know I told them, shoot me if I ever marry a pastor.
0: <laughs> or um, drive a minivan. Yeah. She's two for two.
1: Um, and, and what happened was, My ideas, I actually thought I was going to be single the rest of my life, that I was doing exactly what I was created to do, would do it forever, and um, had tons of ideas earlier than that about what a guy would look like who would walk into my life. And um, God did what he needed to do to free up my heart to love David. And when he did... um, Something shifted Just a cosmic shift for me When I um, went into ministry A friend of mine Made me this little plaque And it was in the 80s So it was in a really cheesy little frame But we've put it in a nice frame now It says, uh, Susan Leah Opitz Called according to God's purpose Not sent from men Nor through the agency of man But through Jesus Christ and God the Father Who raised him from the dead Um, I carried this with me all over the world I carried it with me everywhere I went um, to remind myself that I was living out the call of God in my life. And when Valentine's Day came, I, I just knew that this was his. And I gave him this plaque and I told him, I am called according to God's purpose, not sent by people not of my own decision, but by God. You are my highest calling. And I'm giving this to you to remind you that that is what I believe from here on out. And uh, it has turned out to fulfill my deepest desires. This is what I've been longing for. This is when I roamed the hills of Colorado as a six-year-old girl. Loving this man is what I was dreaming of. And didn't even know it, being his partner in life. I could say more, but I think we have to <clears throat> move know, ahead. <laughs> and what's, what's
0: interesting is she, about three minutes ago, she said she also had the, the idea of the guy, right, who would come in. And I, I wasn't that guy. <laughs> so <clears throat> there, there were definitely a few moments where my, my nickname was the dream killer, pretty much, of, um, of dreams that, you know, deep, <laughs> deep-seated, heartfelt dreams. That she had, and I was not that. <laughs> and so, um, but you guys, yeah. what? The last thing we want to share with you, with you, is um, how critical it is to have a sense that God, that this, that I, can I just say, I really believe that marriage is actually way more about worship to God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Good marriage is about your worship to God in a sense, because God's love is never about himself, ever. And that's what he calls us to. Marriage is the opportunity in a covenant relationship to understand this call of, this is my daughter, and I'm choosing you to be the one I get to love her through. This is my son, and, you know, I'm calling you, Susie. This is your new calling to me. And um, one of the things that I think think we can... um, let me just sec- check here.
1: Time's ticking. It always is when we tell stories.
0: Yeah, it's always, it always <laughs> does when I'm up here. That's what everybody tells me. So, uh, Okay, we're good. Because okay. um, this, is, this is really important, this, this period of moment, a moment of time. So go ahead and share just a little bit what happened with, with Glenn.
1: Um, so each step of the way, there was a bridge for me to cross. And I knew I was flying to see David in two days. And he had taken me to a ring shop the last time I saw him. So I kind of,
0: hint, hint. The,
1: the writing's on the wall. Um, and I just still uh, wasn't sure that I was ready to say yes to this guy. So my pastor came over, dear friend of mine. He, uh, My dad had passed away a year before this. And... Um, I never told my pastor Glenn this, but David and I talked about one of the deepest things I missed was my dad's blessing. I really missed having dad with me at that point in my life to say, good job, Suze, this is a good man. So we had talked, just mourned that and decided that instead of asking my dad for my hand in marriage, David would call Glenn. Didn't have a conversation with Glenn about that. I invited Glenn over to my house to pray for me because I just felt stuck. And I told him where I felt stuck was, I loved my life. I loved being single. I loved my ministry. I loved my relationship with Jesus. And I didn't want a guy coming in and messing that up. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had a ring, um, this one right here, that I wore on my wedding finger. And I went on Valentine's dates with God, believe it or not, Um, bizarre, Um, but I didn't want to mess that up. So we had a long talk about that. One of the things he said was, Suze, you can say, no, you can choose to hold on to your relationship with Jesus the way it is, but you won't actually be holding on to Jesus. You'll be holding on to a way of relating to him and you'll miss him in the process. So we stopped talking and he started praying for me and we're praying through this halfway through the prayer. He stopped and uh, just said, I just feel like I need to tell you when your dad passed away last year, I felt the burden of a father move into my lap. And you need to know when I met David this fall, I met him like a dad. I looked at him through the eyes of a dad. I asked him the questions a dad would ask him as if you were my own daughter. (laughs) (laughs) and um and i want you to know that your dad would bless this man and by this time i'm just weeping i'm just a puddle and glenn went on to say other things that a girl would long for her dad to say you need to know your dad is proud of you you are an amazing woman he just said all these things and uh and then I was crying so hard, I think he realized his work there was done. He just got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> and that night I called David, and uh, everything was different. This, I had been like this with him, like, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And then I called him. And it was a little bit different.
0: The dam had broke.
1: Freaked him out completely.
0: Totally. <laughs> Seriously, I, you don't don't raise your hands, guys. But I'm one of those guys. that's like I, you know, when the hunt's on, it's good. You know, you want to pursue something. You want to, and I understood this. I like girls who just kind of kept. You know, that's weird. That's a whole other story. But um, but I I understood that you you make it hard, and I'll pursue. So when she called me, and all of a sudden said. You know, she sang to me twice, <laughs> two songs on the phone. Oh, that's um, so
1: embarrassing.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and she just shared with me that she was finally free to love me. And she started just gushing this love on me that she hadn't up to this point. This was a week before I was going to ask her to marry me. Two days. Two days. Two days. Okay. <laughs> so I'm laying on the floor with the phone freaking out. <laughs> And I'm I'll, again, I'm, I feel like God said to me, shut up. Because I was going to say, okay, that's enough. You know, stop, please. And uh, instead, I just felt like God said, shut up and receive. See, all, uh, my heart was really warped. Relationships that you had to work for, I got. Being loved unconditionally, I didn't get. So then what happened, we got to, then we move forward here. When she gave me this on Valentine's Day, I went up Valentine's Day, I'm geeked, everything's great, we're engaged. She gives this to me, I come home, and I, I start to wig out. And, because I don't know how to handle being loved like this. So, and she can start to tell. So now she's not the one doing this, now I am. I, I was pursuing her, now I'm going like this with her. And... Um,
1: and I have a ring on my finger.
0: Yeah. And I'm pushing her away. And so it got bad enough where we had to ask Glenn to come in again and meet with us. And he just looked at me and he says, so Dave, why don't you call this thing often?" He goes, is it because you've already sent out invitations, you'd be too embarrassed? You know? I mean, he, this guy doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he just cuts right to the chase. And I remember sitting there thinking, um, no, the reason I'm not doing this is because I know she, she's not the problem. I am. I am. And in that moment, I didn't want to run because I knew God had said, it's not about you, Nelson. I'm choosing you to love her. Not is she what you want her to be for you. And so literally, you guys, you know what it meant for me? To love her <laughs> meant to let her love me. That was, oh. that was the, to love her meant let her. So and then Glenn and talks, then he to talks
1: to me and he says, so Sue's, what if David acts like this through your whole honeymoon? That would be you great. You still honeymoon. want to marry him? I'm like, yeah. What if, what if he doesn't change for a year? How do you feel about that? What if he never changes? What if you spend the rest of your life with a man who cannot receive your love and will push you away? Literally, when I would touch him, his skin would crawl. What if he never changes? Do you still want to marry this guy? Because of my calling, there was no question for me. Absolutely. Yes. That'd be really hard. But that's what I want. That's that's who I am to be.
0: So, to hear her say that... That's pretty amazing. So let, me, let us close with this, you guys. So for the last, we're, we're leaving today to celebrate our anniversary. And, um, and I want to say for the, for the last 11 years, this decision, I actually like her love now, by the way. I'm good with it. <laughs> <clears throat> took me a while, but I, I am. I like it now. Um, he changed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for <clears throat> both of us, what you realize is the key to making this thing work is always saying no to yourself. And there are moments, man, there are days where I know it's all about me. You guys have those days? You're just like, you just, you don't, and and it's just ugly. And the only key to being able to get out of that mode is the life of Christ inside you who's never about himself. Every time I counsel premarital premarital counseling, I'm always like, you guys understand something. As a follower of Christ, you now have an outside source of love that's been poured into your heart that you need to learn how to tap into so that you actually are thinking about the other person more. And Susie's call and God's call on my life to not think about us, but to think about the other person has been the defining moment in both of our lives. Mm -hmm. But it's one that we have to live out you know, it's not wake up in the morning and, oh, you know, it's just not. I have to drag her. No, we won't go there. Uh, but it's not. It's a choice to love. So um, so let us end, just end with a couple things. Mike, why don't you guys come on out. Band, let's just come out. And what we want to just end and give all of us a chance um, just to, to s- soak a little bit in, in God. And uh, first of all, let me just hit all of you guys who are single. Um, If you, if you, some of you aren't struggling, that's awesome. I didn't struggle either for a long time, but if you are, this first song was a good one for me, and it just says, I cry out, I cry out to God, cry out to Him, knock on His door, go back to Him and seek Him, and surrender to Him, too, for He is good. And this is a faith thing sometimes, because when life is not going the way you want it to, to believe that God is good in the midst of it is huge, okay? Okay? But then this whole inside out, the, the, the next song is this, they change me from the inside out. And some of you who are married today, yeah, um, that's what we need to do today. Maybe you need to confess that, you know what? I've been looking at this marriage, looking at this person to be what I need them to be for me. Instead of understanding that what it's really about is receiving the fullness of God so you have that to give to the other person and focusing on that. And I will tell you this, it's pretty tough, I know, if one person is doing that and the other one's not. But I can tell you this, if both people can receive an outward focus in your heart, you know, it's not like, hey, I'll come 50-50, I'll come 50 and you come 50. It's no, I'm going 100 and I'm going 100. And then you mesh together. And I think that's, I just want to say, if you're married today, that is what God's calling you to do. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love them. And then see what God does. So let me pray and then we'll go. Lord, thanks for, um, thanks for calling us. Specifically, I want to thank you for calling me to Suze and her to me. I thank you for the people who are sitting out there who've been called to each other. That you called them to each other. You've brought them together. And Lord, I, I just and I pray for those that, that you're still moving in and working in uh, to, to bring them together with somebody else. And I pray as we end our day here today, God, that we would just remember that you are good, that your ways are right, that your love is pure and it's holy, and it can change everything. And I just ask that you would bless our hearts today to receive that type of love mm-hmm. so that we can give it to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.